You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. Tuesday, 22 November, coronation results out in an hour. And I'm Simon Brown, coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb studios in Houghton, Johannesburg. On the show today, chatting with Pier 3 Radenhuis. I want to find out why he wants to cancel Centre Rally this year. Uh, Chris Gitter from Astral. Uh, I mean, good numbers, base effect. But man, they're having issues with infrastructure and input costs. And then Regin Corsi from uh, First Source Money. He's, he's he's with him about uh, sort of allied issues before. He's saying, you know, inflation targeting, sure, but why not many other mandates? Central banks have power, use it. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines for MoneyWeb. Sanmiral says projects awarded to Chinese companies will use local materials. PPC says the Standards Bureau and Compulsory Specifications Regulator will be ensuring that they do, because, of course, PPC wants the business. CNBC Coinbase shares tumble as Bitcoin slide continues. Investors fear contagion from FTX collapse. I don't know about the contagion, but that Coinbase share price listed April last year, it is down 90 since the first day of trade. Morning markets, US was red, S&P down 0.4%, Nasdaq off 1.1%. Asia is green, with Sydney up 0.7% and Tokyo up 0.75%. Commodities overnight mixed, although mostly red gold, $1,759 an ounce. Brent, 87.79. Platinum, $999 an ounce. That's your green. Palladium, 1878 Rand, 1728 Bitcoin, 15800 Tencent trading down a couple of a points, 0.07% to the red. And uh, top 40 opening call for a green open. But 10 points to the green, which, uh, well, let's call that flat. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. Training now with uh, Petri Radenhuis. Uh, he, of course, Herenia Capital Advisors. Petri, appreciate the early morning time. Your your Sunday note you put out every every Sunday evening. Uh, you were you, you basically said, "Yep, nope." You think we're going to end the year uh, heading southwards, and that uh, any Santa rally which we'd all been hoping for is cancelled. You you were talking offshore markets, but I mean, uh, the, the broadly, that's going to uh, spill into our local market as well. Yeah, good morning. So, yeah, being a bit of a Grinch for Christmas, I suppose. <laughs> I, think I, should, I, I want to start by just saying that I think it is deeply ironic that the last time I spoke to you, uh, I said, well, yes, Bitcoin's been super stable. It's time it to buy it. It's getting closer to 20000 And I finally sort of thrown in the towel on that $15,000 price target. And this morning, it's trading at 15800 Yeah. <laughs> well, now's the time, um, hey? <laughs> yeah, now's the time. So I think, uh, you know, I stand by what I said back then. That, you know, it's the time to start accumulating. Um, but not, okay, so, but yeah, not I, equity. But, but not equity, not yet, I don't think. You know, I think that there's a couple of things that are, that'll play out here. One, our local market or and you know broader emerging markets, I think, will outperform developed markets over the next sort of mm-hmm. twelve months, if you will. And two, I think that we probably see uh, the Fed doing exactly what the Fed said they were going to do, well, which yeah. is put interest rates up, <laughs> uh, and that will probably um, that'll probably cause a little bit of a speed wobble. I think that we also are starting to see, uh, you know, so the realities of 
uh, just exactly how extremely overstaffed the tech sector really is. Uh, and when those layoffs start coming, uh, that labor market contraction is going to hit home in a hard way uh, in the U.S. So I think that we're probably in for a tough end to the year, right? At the mm-hmm. end of the day, uh, we've mentioned this a number of times when, when chatting uh, on the show, is that the U.S. market has since December last year been in a downtrend. And there is a uh, sort of a downtrend uh, resistance line, which the market has done a very good job over the last couple of weeks of bouncing towards uh, and tr- attempting to, to test. However, uh, it, it came a little short, I think, but you know, it made a fairly decent sort of uh, bullish retracement uh, in the downtrend. And I think that from here on out, we probably see the trend continue uh, towards the downside. And you know, that downside target, I think it was around 3750 or around there. Uh, on the S&P, uh, still is unchanged, and uh, that's still sort of the target price that we're looking for. Once we get down there, which again, just to reiterate, is the pre-COVID high. Yeah. Right? So it was yeah. the high yeah. the market made before COVID started. That is still our downside target for now. Um, I think that, you know, obviously bear markets are extremely violent in the rallies that they put in. I mean, we've had a couple of 5.5% days, 4% plus days on our local market. Uh, massive similar days in the S&P 500. So that volatility is just, um, I guess, powerful, of course, in the current market environment. So I think that uh, we probably will continue to see a couple of you know crazy wild days, but it seems to me that it's a good time to maybe start buying some VIX calls uh, and probably some puts on the S&P 500. Yeah, target 3370. Uh, quick uh, question in half a minute. Sun International, there are some things breaking higher, and Sun International is one of them. Yeah, Sun International actually has a very nice sort of flat top triangle on the weekly chart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, if we have a look, I mean, yes, it's very doom and gloom and bearish in the macro picture, but local tourism is actually looking pretty good. Uh, a lot of the people who would normally travel internationally during this period of, of the year are now forced to travel locally uh, because of you know financial constraints and all the rest. So, you know, sad to be them, but glad to be a local hotel owner. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we've seen a strong recovery in uh, in uh, tourism and you know revenues in that sector, uh, and I think that the hotels are well poised. And again, you know, something that I've said a few times: there's a lot of value to be found here, and I think that that sector is one of them. Uh, and Sun International is looking pretty good. I'd also pay attention to City Lodge Holdings as well. Okay, City Lodge. Okay, those are the two I hold, so I am happy with those statements. Uh, Petri Rodenhaus, Herenia Capital Advisors, appreciate the early morning. And that is our poll today on LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, Petri wants to cancel Santa rallies. What do you think? Are you bearish for the year? Uh, you think we'll rally into next year? Or perhaps you just want the year to end already? Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter. Your money knows it's not just about the money. It's about your returns returning the favor and empowering people. Your money can do more to change the narrative. Beyond delivering consistent returns, investing in the Stanlip Kanisa Impact Investment Fund can help eradicate poverty and protect the environment. Invest for more impact at stanlip.com forward slash more. Stanlip Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now. On the money.
I'm chatting with uh, Chris Gitter, CEO of Astral. They had results for year-end September. Revenue up 22%. Headline earnings per share up 125%. And dividend of up 97%. Chris, I appreciate the time. In, in, in what's been undoubtedly a tough year, and we can dig into some of the toughness in a moment, you managed to get boiler volumes up. You managed to get some price increases. But it still is really hard out there. Simon, thank you for that. I think a bit of perspective is... If you just look mm. at the percentages, you know, it might uh, just uh, confuse the situation a bit. We come off a very low base in the, in the previous reporting period. Yeah. So it, it looks a bit skewed. But during the year, uh, due to previous capital expenditure, we did increase our production capacity by about 400,000 birds additional per week. Uh, so a nice volume growth. Uh, I think, it, in, and that's good for the consumer in the long run. And then we also had some price increases, but we always lag our input cost. And most of the price increases we had during this year was to cover the higher input cost already started to incurring from the prior period. So as we sit here today, the situation very, very different. Those price increases no longer covering our input cost. And uh, yeah, all the good that was done during that reporting period is is now a very, very different story as we sit here today. And, and I mean, we've chatted before around the, those input costs. I mean, the, 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 certainly uh, uh, ESCOM diesel and, and diesel, not even for trucks now, of course, for generators. But your biggest input cost remains maize. Simon, feed makes up 70% of the, the total cost to produce a kilogram of white meat. So any movement there has got a massive impact on your bottom line and your profitability if you don't recover it somehow from the consumer, mm -hmm. which is unfortunate. And then if you look at the graphs in the of the price of the soft commodities yeah. like soy derivatives and maize or corn, like they call it, for 70% of your cost over the past two years, that's been rapidly increasing with no breather whatsoever, and it's still going north. So our input cost almost going up on a week-to-week -week basis and currently on record high-level input cost for 70% of your business. And then, of course, you mentioned on top of that is all the other costs associated with a lack of infrastructure and the load shedding. So, yes, as I mentioned, we always lag the market. You can't have a price increase before your costs go up. So the, the retail is so strong, they simply won't allow that. Mm -hmm. So we always lag input costs by about three to six months. And that's the situation we are in now. The, the input cost we have now has not, we've not been in a position to recover that in the selling price of chicken yet. And without being insensitive to our already burdened consumer, unfortunately, if you want to have a sustainable astral or a poultry yeah. producing sector, somehow you're going to have to recover your basic input costs from the market. Very unfortunate, but uh, if we take it on the chin now as a country or as a poultry consumer, that will be in good stand for, for the medium to long term because chicken remain the best value proposition 
from a protein perspective. You mentioned infrastructure, load shedding as well. I mean, the municipal infrastructure, which, I mean, you say it's collapsing. In some parts of the country I drive through, it's not collapsing. It has absolutely vanished. It is gone. I mean, this remains your serious challenge, which, you know, notwithstanding, maize prices will change. Are you seeing any improvement in infrastructure? Uh, certainly, we're not seeing it in the load shedding. Now, Simon, if, if you look at the country, we in the three major provinces where, 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 where our customers are in the Western mm-hmm. Cape, KZN, and then up north here. In the Western Cape, it's going fairly okay from a general infrastructure point of view, although load shedding does play havoc there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, up, up north here and in KZN, infrastructure or lack thereof is a major concern. So what happens now is you've got your load shedding. You try to plan according to it if you're on phase two or stage two. Mm-hmm. But the minute it goes to stage three, four, and five like we have now, you simply can't slaughter or process the chickens that's been in a pipeline for two and a half years, which you can't stop. So um, that is a major concern. And then outside of the load shedding, you also have a general breakdown of electricity and yeah. water circulation in 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 your in your uh, rural areas in Olifantsfontein now, which is used to be one of the major industrial areas in 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 Gauteng, Every second day we without water. So when you get electricity, you don't have water, and then you get water and you don't have electricity. So we are making these grudge purchases currently with almost half of our profits going into investing in in stuff that we should have, like electricity, water, and uh, we're spending massive amounts now. We thought it was not going to happen, but we now realize if you want to process that amount of birds consistently and sustainable for the country, you're going to have to have your own backup. And we're spending, already spend $120 million on that, and we're going to spend another hundred million in the next couple of months on diesel generators. So and and and, and water storage. I was going to ask. I mean, the, the water. Okay, so water storage. Some of it is is diesel generators. Are you also putting renewable in, or is it at this point just diesel backup? Well, the quickest we can come to a solution is the diesel backup. Yeah. If you talk renewables, it will take us five to six years, and by that time. We dead and gone. So, this this is the quickest, and it took us a year. The quickest solution solution to to process the number of birds we have mm-hmm. in the pipeline is diesel uh, diesel generators, and and that also comes at a price tag. So that will further increase the cost to produce a chicken in South Africa. So, um, yeah, Simon, as I said, it's grudge purchases, and you know if the powers would just realize what they're currently doing to the country by means of a lack of basic services. And the already stretched consumer is unfortunately in the long run going to have to pay for this. Yeah, and of course, as you mentioned, it's protein. This is the, the, the biggest source of protein for the average uh, sovereign consumer, uh, regardless where they are in that LSM spectrum. We'll leave it there. Chris Skitter, CEO of Astro, always appreciate the time. Your money gives a damn. If it could protest and sign petitions, your money would. But your money can do more than that. When you invest in Stanlib's Infrastructure Investment Fund, beyond getting solid returns, you are helping to build a more sustainable future through job creation and positive economic growth. Damn right you are. Invest for more impact 
at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. Jenny now with uh, Regin Corsi. He is Executive Director and Research Head for Money Banking and Macroeconomics at First Source Money. Reg, appreciate the early morning time once again. An article you put out around central banks, uh, inflation targeting, and, and, and frankly, uh, critiquing the, the, the sort of the single mandate that, that, that central banks seem to stick to, which is that inflation targeting. And you're saying there is, there is examples out there, uh, particularly from Asia, where multi-mandates really does work. Yeah, it is with that single mandate called uh, inflation targeting. Uh, countries are quite flexible in the manner in which they use this particular mandate. Mm-hmm. The EU, which has got a similar mandate, was able to 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 uh, to go beyond what is traditionally known as interest rate uh, 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 policy. So there is a possibility of us as a country, if we know what monetary policy is all about, to sidestep the interest rate aspect of it and go into other areas that can stabilize the country, I mean the currency, without having to use interest rates. So what I'm trying to say here essentially is that we cannot be dogmatic. We are so dogmatic in such a way that we, we, we've lost our way and we co- we're actually collapsing the economy as a consequence of simply sticking to this particular uh, so-called mandate without understanding what the mandate means. And, and, and it's that narrowness. I take your point, absolutely. I mean, yes, we don't like inflation, but there's, there's a lot else out there. You, you say they could use tools beyond just interest rates, which in of itself is a relatively blunt tool. What could some examples of that be? Fundamentally, from a macroeconomic perspective, uh, you can use what we call credit. Mm-hmm. You can vary credit. You can ask the banks to vary credit if you are a, a central bank that understands how credit plays. So the fundamental uh, <clears throat> tool used by Asia, including Bangladesh, a least developed country, is that they were using credit. They could vary credit because if you can give me credit that I go and buy suits or you give me credit that I'm going to buy uh, to put up a plant, frankly, inflation is going to differ. So you can actually manipulate inflation through credit. That is the primary tool that should actually be used. Well, you can also use other forms anyway, but credit is the fundamental, the primary tool you can use instead of having to use interest rates. And you mentioned Bangladesh there, and in your article you, you, you reference them quite a bit, and, and they absolutely have, have in, in many senses, I mean, they are the poster child for what you're, you're talking around here, and whereas our own central bank, I mean, you, know, you mentioned, you talk around the, the phrase of structural employment, which almost gives the, the, the Saab a, 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 a way out. They say, well, unemployment is structural, nothing we can do, but hang on a sec, <laughs> at least be trying, and, and frankly, it can become less structural, and we can try and find instead of just that single focus? That's, that's really the issue here. You know, what has become the, the, the game for the Reserve Bank and the Treasury is to assume that, well, the employment, what we have is structural. But structural, by definition, means um, we, we're producing people who are irrelevant to, 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 this, to, to the jobs that are being created. Mm-hmm. All right? So we're, we're producing engineers, meanwhile we need, need scientists of some sort and so on and so forth. But that's not necessarily the case. But they work out in such a way that it should be seen as if it's structural. When you start to think it's structural, what we have done is because 
we are so used to using a particular tool, all right? Mm-hmm. That particular tool leads us into thinking that this, that we are doing, or it leads us into, into creating what we, we think is structural employment, when in fact it's not. So that can be cured, as I speak now, quite easily. Now, if you say structural improvement, what does that mean? It means you have failed, you have nothing else you want to do, but what you should now do is only go and sell ESCOM to become private. Okay? Mm-hmm. So you, you, go, you, 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 you go selling SOEs, you go structural reforms like, you know, opening up pipes to, to, to have much water flowing. You can do all that, we know. It does help, but it's not going to solve unemployment problem in this country. What's going to solve an employment problem in this country is to ensure that the banking system works properly, the fiscal policy is engineered properly, the monetary policy itself is also engineered in such a manner that it works together with fiscal policy and boosts the economy. All manners of saying structural structure is not going to help us. What the Reserve Bank is doing is to absorb itself away from solving the national, the national challenge by speaking to the little they know. And we are saying it shouldn't be like that. Yeah, and, and using that the structural as, frankly, an excuse. We'll leave it that they Always Absolutely. appreciate the time. Regin Corsi, First Source Money, thanks for the early morning insights. That's it for today. Yesterday we were chatting with Chantal Marx. Those Richmond results. Um, asked if Richmond is a stock you hold in your portfolio. Chantal says, always. Uh, and when it gets expensive, sell a bit. When it gets cheap, buy it back. Uh, and most of you, almost two-thirds of you have said, yep, high quality, you have it in your portfolio. About a quarter were saying, no, luxury for you. The rest were saying you prefer other options of luxury, which I assume, therefore, is offshore. Have your vote, have your say, Twitter and LinkedIn. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning, the MoneyWeb website and the app 6.30 a.m. podcast just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie Nobokle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their early morning. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. We'll chat again tomorrow. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now, on the money.